Hi, it's your pal Steamed Hams. Join me every week on the Unforgettable Luncheon as we discuss topics in the nerd world like gaming, comics, cartoons, and whatever else may cross my mind. You can find me on the socials as SteamedHams81 on Twitch, Twitter, and Instagram, and YouTube. You can also find me as the Unforgettable Luncheon on Facebook. And check out Steamed Hams Merchatorium, the link to which will be in the description of this podcast. The Unforgettable Luncheon, nerd comedy at its okayest. Ah yes, the late 90s. What a time to be alive for video games. The PlayStation was going strong. And new genres were being invented every day. One of my personal favorite genres was action, which also spawned survival horror, one of my other favorites. And the game that defined the survival horror genre? A little game you might have heard of called Resident Evil. A game that ended up being so good, it spawned a series of sequels, spin-offs, remakes, and, well, movies. So strap in, grab your pistol and your green herbs. No, 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 not those herbs. Because we're talking about surviving the horror of Resident Evil games today on the Unforgettable Luncheon. Hi, it's your pal Steamed Hams. I hope you're ready for an Unforgettable Luncheon. Now before we begin... I'd like to wish a happy birthday to one of my close friends and supporter of the podcast, Krizola, a.k.a. Voodoo, who has been one of my close friends for about close to 10 years now and is one of the top supporters of this wonderful podcast. So happy birthday, Krizola. Have a great day. And now, on with the show. Resident Evil was released in 1997 for the PlayStation and was the brainchild of Takuro Fujiwara, and was a remake of his Jap- uh, Japan-only Famicom game, Sweet Home. Originally titled Biohazard in Japan, the name was changed in the U.S. due to a previous unrelated game that had already used the title Biohazard, along with a band who had also registered that name. Now, for today's episode, we're going to talk mostly about the mainline numbered entries. We're actually going to be doing the Raccoon City entries, uh, 1 through 3. We're not going to talk about Code Veronica, Zero, Revelations, or the Gun Survivor games. And definitely not the movies, because that is too too much. That's a story for another episode. We will discuss uh, games 4 through 8 in Part 2. Resident Evil is a third-person survival horror game taking place in the Spencer Mansion outside the fictional Raccoon City in the Arkley Mountains. The Alpha team of Raccoon City PD's STARS team, Special Tactics and Rescue Service, are tasked with locating the missing members of Bravo team and investigating mysterious murders in the area. Now, I did talk somewhat about this in my Horror Games episode a few weeks back, so check that out for more info. But, if you haven't listened to it, here's a quick recap. Team goes into this mansion, wondering where the hell is the rest of the team, after, of course, being chased by some mutated dogs. They go in, and of course, you have a choice of either Chris Redfield or Jill Valentine, two members of Star's Alpha Team. Now, they came with differences, i.e. Chris having more health, but less, um, what do you call them, inventory slots. Whereas Jill had less health, more inventory slots. She had a lockpick that could get past locks that Chris would need a key for. Chris had a lighter that could somehow solve mysteries and puzzles before Jill could. 
Don't know how that helped, but okay. Now, one of my biggest complaints about the first three Resident Evil games, which they thankfully fixed in the remakes, was the tank controls. For those of you too young to know what the hell tank controls are, it was a simple matter of you have your directional pad. Normally, you push up and they move forward, push back, they move backwards, left, they move left, right, they move right. No, you turn them left or right, whatever direction you wanted to go, and then you pushed forward to make them move. Now, if that isn't a bitch during combat, I don't know what is. Also, this game being, you know, made in 1997, the voice acting was not what you would call A material. So, you know, they, they basically probably just hired novices and or people within the company and just had them voice, but obviously throughout the years, stuff has gotten better. Now, the story with this is they are they are going through investigating the weird murders that are happening around this mansion. Come to find out, it is, is a secret lab for the Umbrella Corporation, this unscrupulous pharmaceutical company, who is creating a virus called the T-Virus, which has been turning animals, plants, and humans into nasty-ass monsters. Of course, you have to traverse this entire mansion, doing a lot of backtracking to solve puzzles, and fighting off monsters while conserving your ammunition and your supplies and whatnot. If you get hurt, you have first aid spray or herbs to heal you. That's where the green herbs joke came from. <laughs> okay, so you eventually get through this, and by taking certain paths, you could find missing members of the teams or let certain people die by not doing anything or not finding them. And you eventually take on a creature called Tyrant, which is a huge mutated beast, probably from a human. And you have to defeat that. And depending on your endings, you either completely destroy it or it runs off into the forest and you're like, ah, crap. Well, that's a problem. So Resident Evil was good. I've only played the director's cut and I have played Resident Evil Zero, which is technically the remake. So... It's fun, but it just, you know, it, it was it was a little difficult for me at first, but I got into it. But it was not actually the first one I played. We'll get into that in a minute. Now, Resident Evil 2, released in 1998, takes place two months after the Arclay Mountain incident at Spencer Mansion. You play as two separate characters throughout the game. Leon Kennedy, a rookie uh, RPD officer on his first day. Or Claire Redfield, the sister of Chris Redfield from the first game. Uh, she's in town looking for her brother, but surprise, this being two months later, he's in Europe investigating Umbrella. So, we got that going for us. Of course, Leon starts his job in the middle of a zombie apocalypse, you know, but my question is, why in these stories, in these movies, these games, whatever, is it either the protagonist's first day on the job, or he's got like one day left till retirement and just has to fucking survive to get his pension? You know, why is it not a dude who has got, like, a few years on the job, still a little green, but he knows what he's doing? You know, why Why do we not get that? A guy that's like, you know, ah, day in, day out, punch the clock. Oh, shit, zombies. No, it's always, hey, I just started here. What's going on? Zombie apocalypse. How long has that been going on? Two months. What the hell did you hire me for? What the hell do you apply for? The, the pair start working with Sherry Birkin, the daughter of umbrella scientist William Birkin and his wife Annette along with Ada Wong, a corporate spy posing as an FBI agent. She's trying to get a sample of a 
variant of the T-virus called the G-virus. And if you thought the T-virus was bad, the G-virus is designed to turn a human into an ultimate weapon. Okay, my question is, whose bright idea was it to try to turn people into unstoppable killing machines? I mean, these scientists' umbrella, they're so occupied with whether they could, they should have thought about whether they should. Of course, chaos ensues, and we get to learn along the way that Sherry's dad implanted an embryo in her to create a mutated offspring to carry the G-virus. Again, could and should are not interchangeable in this situation. Of course, throughout this, William decides he wants to protect his G-virus from everybody who's trying to steal it. So what does he do? No, he doesn't lock it away. He doesn't hide it. He injects himself with it. Because for some reason, to be an umbrella scientist, you have to be extremely short-sighted. You know, and it's like, of course, he mutates into this super beast, you know, and, the, and a big final battle takes place on an emergency escape train. And William mutates further into a big pile of flesh and teeth. So, like, monster Gary Busey, pretty much. And the train is blown to bits uh, to destroy him. And Leon, Claire, and Sherry survive because, well, writing. And, of course, Ada escapes with a locket that had a G-Virus sample in it. So now we are truly fucked because a whole other unscrupulous company now has this holy shit virus. And, of course, why do Leon, Sherry, and Claire survive? Because of good old plot armor. Something you will see throughout the Resident Evil series. Now, Resident Evil 3 Nemesis was released in 1999. Taking place 24 hours prior to Resident Evil 2, it follows surviving STARS member Jill Valentine from the first game as she attempts to escape the city. Now, this was actually the first Resident Evil game that I played, and it's what got me into the series. So, yay for that. Jill is hunted by the Nemesis T-Type bioweapon, a big-ass humanoid monstrosity with a rocket launcher and the wonderful ability to just get shot up like crazy and keep going like a fucking deadly Energizer Bunny. All, of course, while repeating, STARS, over and over again. Now, this dude will seemingly appear randomly, and you either have to fight or run. You know, there's, like, basically some scenarios you just have to run, some you're going to have to fight them off. Okay? But here's the fucked up part. Like, unlike the zombies and the creatures, when you move to the next screen, they don't follow you. Oh, you bet this bastard breaks the fourth wall. So, there's not really a whole lot of running from him. It sucks. Now, Joe comes across the surviving members of the Umbrella Biohazard Countermeasure Service, Carlos, Mikhail, and Nikolai. They attempt to escape, but surprise, Nemesis shows up and attacks the cable car that they were repairing. Nikolai disappears, presumed dead, so it's down to Joe, Carlos, and Mikhail to try to stop Nemesis. Mikhail tries to stop Nemesis by sacrificing himself with a grenade, but, well, it's Nemesis and it's early in the game, it didn't work. Now, Jill is able to summon a rescue helicopter when they get to their destination, which, of course, is promptly destroyed by good old Nemesis, who then infects Jill with the T-virus. Nemesis is forced to retreat after fighting off Jill before she passes out, and Carlos takes Jill to safety. Carlos then finds a vaccine for the T-virus three days later and saves Jill. Now, wait a minute. Three days later? How come all these, like, zombie movie and game and whatever viruses, someone gets infected and they turn within a matter of a couple hours, a couple of minutes, 
instantly. But when the hero is hit, it takes like a damn week for them to go. You know? But why did that happen? Plot armor. Jill is as good as new and heads to the park to find an escape route. She runs into Nikolai, who, shockingly, is not dead. He reveals that he's there to gather combat data on the fun bioweapon monsters running amok. Now, because you can't let the you know the destruction of a town get in a little get in the way of uh, you know profits. I mean, you can't even control most of these things. They're out there just running nuts. How are they planning on utilizing them in an actual combat situation? They're gonna drop them in, let them do their thing, and then blow it up. I mean, better. Waste of resources, you know, but Umbrella's never been a very big-picture-oriented company, as you can see, you know? Jill ends up reaching an old Umbrella Corporation factory in the outskirts of town, thanks to tunnels built by a bioweapon called Gravedigger that, of course, she destroyed. She meets up with Carlos, who tells her that the government has decided to nuke Raccoon City to contain the T-virus outbreak. Which is good, but let's hope it's... Thank God it's a virus and not a chemical, like Return of the Living Dead, where nuke happens, they all burn up, the chemical gets into the clouds, it rains, the president comes for a visit, he gets rained on with this acid rain and turned into a zombie. Thank God a virus can actually get destroyed by nuke. So now they've really got to get their hell out of there. Now Jill runs into Nikolai, who is attempting to steal their escape helicopter. And depending on paths and whatnot taken by the player throughout the game, He's either killed by Nemesis, and Jill has to fight Nemesis again, or he escapes in the helicopter. Now, Jill eventually does whoop Nemesis' ass and destroy him with the help of a big-ass railgun, because, of course, big-ass railgun. Now, Jill and Carlos hop into another chopper and escape mere minutes before missiles arrive and turn the town into a smoking crater. And this game ends with the news saying, well, it had to be done, per the president. Now, what bothers me is, you know, there were people that were hiding and surviving and were like, you know what? We're going to make it. We're going to get out of town. And then they look up and they're like, ah, shit. So, you know, that kind of sucks. Now, that ends the T-Virus saga. But in part two, we will be discussing the Las Plagas virus and the various other little viruses and molds and fungi and whatnot that make up the other games. Um, I didn't want to do all eight games in one run because we would be here forever. But I will say, they have remade uh, Resident Evil 2 and 3 for the current gen consoles. I didn't get two yet. I got three, and I enjoyed the hell out of it. Although, I will say, Nemesis is a harder fight in this one. It's a lot of fun, though. Um, Voice acting obviously improved. Um, No more tank controls. It's a beautiful fucking thing. And for now, that is it for another Unforgettable Luncheon. I hope a good time was had by all. You can find me on the social medias, on Twitch, X, you know, formerly known as Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and now TikTok as SteamTams81, and on Facebook as The Unforgettable Luncheon. Don't forget to check out my merch store, SteamTams Merchatorium. Links to all of these will be in the description of this episode. I'm your host, Steamed Hams. Tune in next week when the topic will be something nerdy.